0: Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. So good morning. Welcome to our Christian Fellowship Community Forum, International Forum, session number 22 with Philip Sarnicki, and hard to believe it's been 22 times uh, but we love doing this, and we love having you, and I'm so excited uh, to greet all of you from the field and the home office. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Ron Jolson. So without any further delay, I am thrilled to introduce Philip Sarnicky. Philip uh, is a managing department, as many of you know, because I see many of you from Kansas on this call uh and that is where philip's team is he oversees one of the larger organizations 13 offices actually in five states arizona new mexico texas kansas and missouri and rps financial group has over 550 people in the organization 240 financial advisors uh with over 57 billion of enforced life insurance 13 billion of assets under management and i have spoken at Philip's office, and I have to tell you, I've gotten some of the best questions from your office, Philip. When I go out and speak, I, it's always a pleasure to to go out there. And Philip started his 19-year college internship with Northwestern Mutual in 1990. He was a two-time top 10 intern, and then upon graduating, he became a college unit director. He was CUD of the year, runner-up both years. He was a CUD, and also in his first two years. He was runner-up in the Mike Gish Award and the Bronze Award. He's the winner of the Silver Award in his second year, and at 26 years old, he became a managing director in Bloomington, Illinois, and in over eight years, he grew it to a top 10 district office in the company. He was the youngest managing partner in Northwestern Mutual, not anymore, uh, when he was appointed in Cincinnati at the age of 34. And he is currently chairman of the board of directors uh, of Athletes in Action, he's actually Attending a board meeting today. Uh, And now I I have to say the biggest deal of all is that Philip was twice chairman of the Regional Christian Fellowship Breakfast and twice chairman of the Milwaukee Christian Fellowship Breakfast, uh, in addition, of course, to being a uh, wonderfully faithful CFC board member. Uh, Philip and Heidi live in Overland Park, Kansas, with their three children. And today's talk is entitled My Journey of Coming to the Truth before during and after so philip it's great to have you it's great to see you i'm really excited about this but you know we like to start with you telling us just a little bit about your faith journey
1: yeah thanks ron <clears throat> thanks for the introduction and uh great to be with uh everyone um so a little bit about my faith journey um well going way back i grew up in a uh very faithful religious uh family uh now my dad didn't go to church when we were young he he goes now but he didn't when i was young but my mom never missed church which means we never missed church uh we went every sunday uh very faithfully and very thankful for my upbringing i think it gave me a a very clear sense of right and wrong black and white you know heaven hell uh etc um when I went to college, so my uh, my very first football game, my freshman year in college, we had a gentleman who was ironically on staff with Athletes in Action, where now I'm at a Athletes in Action board meeting all these many, many years later, uh, a gentleman named Dave Angle, And um, Dave uh, uh, came in, he, he did the chapel service prior to the game. And it was just really impactful not to get into the 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 talk that he gave with the team, but um, it was very impactful. Uh, Dave followed up with me after that meeting. Uh, we ended up meeting uh, one-on-one at the McDonald's on campus, and uh, Dave walked me through the four spiritual laws. And prior to doing that, he had asked me a question, and the question was this. He said, Philip, if you were to die today, you know, what are the chances you would go to heaven? And you know, I was, you know, I'm a firstborn, I I was kind of the good, good kid, you know, I didn't drink or smoke or go out with girls that did. And, you know, so my answer, I literally remember my answer. And I said, Well, um, you know, I'm about 99% sure. And, um, but the reality was, I was kind of comparing myself outwardly, very important point, outwardly, to other people, you know, I wasn't comparing myself to the sinless Jesus. I was uh, comparing myself to all these other folks out there. And um, he looked at me, Dave, and said, well, what if that 1%, you know, is is correct? Like, what if you're wrong? And, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty pragmatic guy. And I'm like, well, that that would be a problem. That would be a really big problem. And so he said, would you like to know how you could be 100% sure? You know, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know if you have another agenda, but, you know, that sounds pretty good to me. So sure, why not? And so that's when he walked me through the four spiritual laws. And, um, you know, I didn't make any kind of decisions right then. I'm a very analytical person. And I literally went on a year-long quest Ron. I read... Uh, You and I talked about this, but I read uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I read More Than a Carpenter. I read uh, more evidence that demands a verdict. And probably the most impactful book that I read um, was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, of course. And uh, C.S. Lewis's great chapter on pride um, really, really was convicting to, to me. And I realized that. I might not have been the sinner that was doing the drinking, the smoking, the partying, you know, whatever, but my sin was just as bad, if not worse, because C.S. Lewis, of course, in that chapter, talks about pride being the greatest of all sins. You know, it's the sin that all other sins kind of derive from. Uh, It's what caused Lucifer to fall out of heaven because he wanted to be like God. It was pride that, you know, Lucifer became Satan and um it was an incredibly convicting um chapter to me because i think it exposed who i was on the inside versus you know what i looked like on the outside and <clears throat> so i continued my year long quest i i interviewed priests and pastors and i mean i talked to all kinds of people and really, at the end of the year, it was my sophomore year in college, uh, same time I started the Northwestern internship, by the way. Um, and, uh, it, you know, there wasn't any big, you know, events. Uh, I quietly, I remembered my dorm room, got down on my knees and just prayed the prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer and, um, you know, submitted my life to Christ. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say, through all the ups and downs and goods and bads. And. Uh, everything else in between.
0: Yeah. So people, if you're looking for that chapter uh, on pride in mere Christianity, it's actually called the great sin. That is the chapter in the book. Basically, we're all subject to it. And uh, I think he says somewhere in there, the more we dislike it in others, the more likely we have the problem. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) if you see pride in other people, then maybe you need to look at the plank in your own eye, right, Philip? A- amen. And I,
1: you know, listen, it's still a challenge today, for sure. I mean, it's, it's gotten better, but uh, unfortunately, our sin nature doesn't go away just because we become Christians.
0: Yeah, and it's such a, it's, um, I think somebody once referred to it as a, a comparative sin. In other words, it's not enough that you have, let's say, money or wealth, but it, the, in pride, it's sort of like compared to everybody else. Uh, and then, right. Yeah. Really I, I had
1: that. pride in the sense that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, again, externally not doing these things and living this life, and there was pride just involved in that. Not that that was bad. That was probably, you know, good, good. that I wasn't doing a lot of those things, but. But the pride that was driving it, you know, um, or was a big part of it, uh, driving it was just just as sinful as the people that were doing those things. Right. Yeah. So,
0: well, you can even have pride in your humility, too. Right. <laughs> oh, uh, amen. <laughs> amen. So, uh, you could keep going. But anyway, you, one of the things you just mentioned is that that. You eliminated the one percent. So now I know that in first John, it says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. So in that sense, uh, you can turn to scripture. But uh, so how would you say um, that people can know that they have come to that place of salvation where they can be sure?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, the four spiritual laws, uh, you know, there's probably people that are not familiar with them um, on the Zoom here, but, you know, law one is God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. And, uh, you know, we even most non-Christians um, know the verse John 3, 16, right? Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, uh, but have eternal life. Um, and you know, most people don't get to experience that abundant life. Why? Well, that's law two, because man is sinful and, uh, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's Romans three 23. And so we were created to have fellowship with God, uh, because of that sin that separates us, you know, Romans six 23, the wages of sin is death. And You know, there is no, there's this great chasm between God and man because of sin. And then, you know, the third law is that, uh, you know, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us uh, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So um, Jesus made it very clear that uh, he is the only provision for man's sin. Uh, John 14, 6 is... um, i am the way and the truth and the life and no one right comes to the father but through me so uh jesus was unequivocal about how you uh separate that sin gap between ourselves humanity and god and the only way is the perfect sacrifice obviously with which which is jesus and he doesn't allow for any other options you know to make that happen um, and then the final one law four is that we must individually receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior so uh you know John 1 12 as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God even those who believe in his name and uh a lot of people know Ephesians 2 eight and 9 for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves it's a gift of God and not of a not as a result of works that man should boast so, the wonderful thing about it is right it's a gift we can't earn it um we can't work our way to heaven um and quite honestly uh a lot of my my faith background was that's kind of what it was like you know hey i'm doing more good things than bad things um i i look better than others therefore i get to go to heaven you know which certainly is not biblical by any means and so this you know this year long quest that i went on in this research and you know, really opened my eyes to, wow, you mean this is just a gift? I mean, it is a gift that uh, Jesus gave us, but we have to individually and personally receive him.
0: So if, in fact, it is a gift uh, and that your works can not really get you there, what do you think your motivation is for doing the things that you do for for being on the Board of Athletes for Action or giving to charities or uh, just things that you do for other people, as a Christian today, what would you say your motivation is? It's not to get to heaven. You've already been given that.
1: Well, I think, um, you know, the. I don't think a lot of people would have noticed, again, because, you know, I wasn't the kid that was going out and drinking and smoking and doing whatever. But, um, you know, so I don't think people would have externally noticed a lot of difference. But, but internally, for sure, you know, God was working on my heart in a lot of ways, whether it be pride whether it be my motivations. Um, I remember going out with a friend of mine that she and I kind of, we dated in high school and I went out with her in, a few years later in college. This is a couple of years after that. And she literally looked at me and said, you know, you're different. Like you're, there's more of a sense of peace. You know, there's, there's this not trying to control as much, which is still a problem today, by the way. But, um, um, you know so so people that did know me i think were seeing you know we're seeing a change and um you know listen the bible says our our righteous acts are like filthy rags i mean the reality is even today as a christian for you know all these years 30 plus years the reality is none of our motivations are pure <laughs> all the time i mean yes we want to serve our risen lord yes we want to Um, you know, try to walk with him. And in, in essence, I hope the motivation is thankfulness. You know, it's appreciation. It's, you know, we get to spend eternity in paradise. And, you know, we can't even imagine what Christ gave up in dying for us, in leaving the throne room of heaven, in leaving paradise, and coming down here to earth and um but i hope our motivation ultimately is that it's love it's thankfulness it's appreciation out of what jesus has done for us
0: yeah you reminds me of something that a former president of princeton once said back back when the former when the president of princeton was a christian a yes. strong christian uh he once said that he got saved many years ago and it was like the a uh, hand of a beggar reaching up to receive the gift of of a king and he said i didn't deserve it then and i don't deserve it now but i do have it and my motive every motive of everything i've done since is a big ps to say thank you for what i've been given out of gratitude and i just yeah. always thought that was very interesting that, that that man said said it that way the hand of a yeah. beggar reaching that's up very good um, yeah. By the way,
1: read read Princeton's charter, right? Yeah, um, on why the college was even established to the glory of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's yeah. really pretty interesting.
0: Yep we can we can even talk about how our country was established with those Christian values, and you'd you'd never know it today the the way people talk uh, about our origins. So, um, so let's talk about your life, kind of post Christian. Uh, how has your focus changed in your faith, your relationship? Can you talk a little bit about what life uh, has been like for you since that point in time.
1: Well, I mean, it's you know, I mean, surrendering your life to Christ, uh, becoming a Christian. I mean, you know, the most impactful, the greatest decision I have made in my life. Obviously, it has an eternal impact. You know, that decision that we make, and you know, I think. Um, again i i'm i'm still a grave sinner today i just happen to be a safe sinner um my motivations aren't by any means always uh pure but i think the good thing about um you know becoming a christian is there's you know, checks and balances if you will on your motivation and that's the holy spirit and that's god's word and that's other believers uh, you know, and hopefully a church community if you're in that or maybe a Bible study. Um, so there's there are these checks and balances around, you know, hopefully the decisions we make, the path we walk, you know, uh, are we spending time with the Lord? I mean, obviously, my faith is, you know, uh, dramatically changed over the last 30 plus years. And, you know, I do spend every morning in a quiet time um you know a number of years ago i added fasting to my you know spiritual discipline so i fast one day a week um you know try to you know spend time in scripture um you know prayer life uh etc so um you know we just i'm just trying to (laughs) trying to continue to grow and um i say become a better person not again not that becoming a better person I'm already I've already been forgiven I already get to go to heaven I already spend get to spend eternity there but um um you know it's kind of like I I was uh, a number of years ago I was having this conversation with a friend and I said you know if it wasn't for this Christian thing I think I'd be a good mafia don you know but like but like you know you just can't do that with the whole you know with being a Christian I mean it just it it gets in the way and um I, that's a joke I'm not getting away but you know what I mean um, so it does. I think there's, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit is uh, working uh, in us on a moment by moment basis, and we're just trying to trying to walk with Him, um, you know, each moment of the day. So um, I, I think there's also a, a a much greater sense of peace. Um, there's a greater sense of you know, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, God has a wonderful plan for our lives. I know the plans I have for you, thus declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And there's there's a real sense of that. There's a real sense that, you know, God has a plan for my life and, um, uh, you know, trying to walk in that plan on a day by day basis.
0: Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned something interesting about you've now taken on fasting. Uh, I read an interesting book by Richard Foster uh, called The Celebration of Discipline. And Mm -hmm. it talks about fasting and prayer and meditation and study. These are the the major disciplines that we can, as as Christians, can do. Uh, And what I loved in there was it said, you know, on the one hand, and you talked about this, you know, our works are like filthy rags. We don't want to strive and be all about works but on the other hand if we do nothing that's uh, morally and spiritually bankrupt the disciplines are what we are right in the middle of that chasm those are the things that we can do meditation prayer fasting study those are the things that we can do to in effect improve or even establish our relationship with Christ if we don't have one yet or want to improve it. And that is action. And we love action, right? That's, what we, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what we do. That is action that we can take in order to, in effect, build up that relationship. Uh, and it sounds like you you've sort of found that path.
1: Well I'm I'm I continue to work on it. Um, you know, it's it's the flip side of that, Ron, I, I think that's well said. And the flip side is, you know, it's the parable of talents, right? So God has given us all gifts and skills and talents. And the worst thing we can do is not use those gifts and skills and talents Mm -hmm. and not use them to glorify him and not use them for the kingdom. And, um, you know, I challenge my team all the time to get outside of their comfort zone and, and live outside of their comfort zone. I mean, to be successful in this business, you have to do that on a day by day basis Um, You know, dealing with failure and rejection, you know, over and over and over. Nobody likes that. It's it's out of our comfort zones. And so I continue to try to challenge myself is like, all right, where is God did not call us to a life of comfort. And it's so easy in our world and our culture today to kind of just, you know, we want to live in that world of comfort, because it's really comfortable, right? So, Um, we like to get there. We like to stay there. But the reality is that's not what God's called us to do. And in essence, that's, you know, really hiding our talents and burying our talents. And uh, that's that's the person that God rebuked the most in the parable of the talents, right? The one that hid their talents and didn't use them uh, for anything. So that's that's one of my great fears, right, is I would not use my gifts and skills and talents that the Lord has given me you know, to give back to him uh, as a gift for the gifts that he's given me.
0: And I love that using that spiritual uh, principle in your leadership, in your office, as you are really trying to help other people who work for you and maybe our leaders themselves uh, utilize their gifts and talents that they have. Sounds Mm -hmm. like you use that as a leadership principle. Are there other things, uh, ways that you are able to work your faith out at work uh, in in ways that it may not be directly sharing the gospel, but maybe some spiritual principles and things that you've picked up over the years that you're able to share at work?
1: Well, I yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot. And, you know, again, uh I'm better at some of them than others. Um, but um, you know, I think at the end of the day you know, it's when I became a managing partner, I was down visiting with Jeff Reeder, <clears throat> who's my big brother, and a wonderful mentor of mine. And um, I remember Jeff telling me I was still in Cincinnati, I was a managing partner in Cincinnati. And he uh, mentioned to me that, you know, hey, my agency is really a ministry, it's a ministry opportunity. And, um, you know, I honestly never thought of it that way. I and mean, this is almost 20 years ago. And, you um, you know, not in the sense that it's a church, it's not a church, it's not, you know, it's a business, and it needs to be run like a business, and it needs to be profitable, and it needs to be healthy. But we can still show up as Christian leaders and Christian, um, you know, believers who are leading our organizations or leading our teams or, you know, whomever it is that we're leading, and we can show up um, in love, Uh, we can show up by loving our people, Um, we can show up by, you know, what I talked about earlier is, you know, challenging our people. Um, And challenging them, whether it be getting outside of their comfort zone, or, you know, sometimes we even grow people outside of our organizations, right? I mean, we help them grow to a point where, like, I don't have a spot for you. I don't have a place for you. Um, But, you know, probably more on the staff side, obviously. but. you know, so I just, I think uh, helping people grow, um, whether it be personally, professionally, financially, or spiritually, obviously. Um, And then the other thing I think, you know, doing our best to uh, lead by example, which is in our organization, it's our number one mantra is to lead by example. Now there's a lot of ways that takes effect your activity, your productivity, but it's also how do I show up as a leader? And do I show up you know, consistently as a leader uh, in our organizations and for our teams.
0: Well, you know, uh, since you started talking a little bit about your teams and your office, um, you know, you started as uh, Northwestern Mutual as an intern. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your experience when you decided to make Northwestern Mutual your career?
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, there's a there's a funny story there uh, and me. Being the board chair for athletes in action, um, because I almost went on staff with athletes in action when I graduated from college. I was a, still a pretty new Christian and um I was uh really praying about and trying to decide what to do. And the reality is I wanted to become a financial rep. I even at that point I knew I probably wanted to be a managing partner. Um, but in my uh in my uh immature uh walk with the Lord at that time. You know, I knew that, well, if I, you know, become a financial rep and I do well, that I'm going to have financial success. Right. Or if I become a managing partner, I'm going to have financial success. And as a as a young believer, I didn't think that was probably good. And so I was telling so that there was a gentleman on staff with AIA that did a Bible study for our football team and I I wasn't playing anymore, but I was still attending the Bible study, and I was talking to him afterwards, and I told him that, um, hey, I was going to, uh, I think I'm going to go on staff with uh, Athletes in Action, and he, uh, now this is a person that, like, used to lead Christmas conference for Crew, you know, I mean, he just, you know, worked with college kids, I mean, just an unbelievably energetic, enthusiastic guy, and there was this kind of, his response took took me, you know, back a little bit. He said, Oh, okay, well, that's you know, that's fine, I guess. And I, I was confused. I'm like, I thought you'd be really excited. And he said, Well, I I thought you wanted to go into the business world. And I said, Well, I do. And um, he said, Well, uh, aren't you doing, isn't this Northwestern Mutual thing going really well? And you know, I'm like, Well, yeah, you know, I was a top 10 intern twice and you know, et cetera. And I'm gonna be a college unit director next year if I were to you know, do that. And he said, well, why don't you do that? And, he, you know, I said, well, because, you know, I explained the whole, if you do well, financial success, they're tied together. And, you know, money's the root of all evil thing. And that whole thing about the camel needle taken off your, you know, like I can't be a good Christian and make money. Right. And he looked, Mike literally looked at me and he was like, where in the world did you ever get an idea like that? And so he took me to Romans and he said do you know that making money is a spiritual gift? And you know I I thought he was up to something. I'm like what do you mean making how can how in the world can making money be a spiritual gift? And he said, well, you know, read this and you know as you read it, it doesn't specifically say making money is a spiritual gift, but what it does say is that giving is a spiritual gift. Well, what does giving presuppose is what he asked me. And I said, Well, I guess unless you got some really awesome parents or grandparents or whatever, that um uh you gotta go out and make it somehow. And he said, That's exactly right. And so, you know, what I've come to learn is that money is really a heart issue. Um, you know, you can you can um you can have a real problem with money, even if you're not making much money spiritually. And you can have a big problem with money if you're making a lot of money spiritually. And, you know, it's the love of money that's the root of, of all evil. And what I found to combat that is, you know, our giving. And, you know, I started tithing as a young single professional. And even my wife Heidi was uh tithing when we met. Um, and you know, we've just continued to grow in that world and give more and more and more. And um, so I found, you know, really the probably the best thing to do um from a from a uh, financial standpoint in regards to you know not getting too connected and tied to money is to continue to give it away right and the more that we give it away uh sir john templeton was asked one time what was the greatest investment he ever made and without blinking an eye he said tithing and um and really tithing now you know ron you're jewish so you can uh, you know, you could explain this uh, way better than me, but, you know, tithing is really just the start, you know, the 10%, the tithe is just the start, should be the start of our giving, and then it should grow, you know, dramatically from there. So, you know, we've we've grown in that area a lot, um, you know, in the last 30 plus years, we've, we've been a Christian.
0: As a Jewish person, I always appreciated how Jesus took the whole law and turned it on its head. Uh, you know, and he was healing on the Sabbath and, and right. all these things. And what, and when you listen to, the, to what he says about the Beatitudes or read what he says, what becomes really clear is it's all about what's in the heart. And when yeah. the heart becomes pure, then the actions follow. That's why God loves a cheerful giver. So if your heart is about giving, it's less about the exact amount. And it can very, very well be much more than 10%, or for some people, it might be less. But the point is, where is your heart when it turns, when when it's all about giving, as it is with everything else? Uh, And in that way, it's why loving one another as ourselves and love the Lord your God with all your heart, it all boils down to love, right? In the end. Yeah, amen. Good luck having you. So thank you for (laughs) Eric. See how I did that? Yes, that was well, well done. Well, well we're, we're going to do something completely different. Uh, instead of going to the breakout rooms, as I said, we're now going to stay together in the larger group. So uh, we're going to, uh, I've asked a few people to answer a, a basic question. Uh, and the question is, who shared the good news with you? So we'll start with some of our volunteers that have already volunteered to speak up. And we're going to start with John Qualley. Um, who is not on his bicycle, which is how I usually see him, Um, but he's ready to share with the group. Thanks, John. Thank you, Ron. Hey,
2: uh, great job. Great job, Ron, interviewing and Philip. Outstanding. Uh, Thank you for doing that. Hi, everybody. Um, You know, in my life, I had several people attempt to share the good news with me. They did it, but I didn't receive it because I was... um, I was of the opinion for quite a while in my life that uh people who were religious were needed a crutch. And uh I was um, you know, I was boiled down to it, I was really, I was really God. I mean, I didn't I didn't say that. But uh, and then um, you know, I had pastors, uh, Sunday school teachers, I had people in my agency, uh, Paul Cross, Gail Jones, uh Philip mentioned Jeff Reader, Jeff Reader. and you know, I just I just uh, kind of like this. hey, I thank you. I, I appreciate that's good for you. but uh that's not me and then uh and then uh, you know, I came to a point where um uh, my my willfulness was taking me down. and uh, that's when I Said who? I uh I need I need uh, some help, and that's when I um, received the good news, and um and at that time, <clears throat> you know I was pretty uh, uh out of whack, and has it made a difference in my life? All the difference, all the difference, and I am so thankful. I am thankful. Because had I had had, you know, uh, Philip was asked the question, uh, you know, uh, if you died, do uh, you know, that you're going to go to heaven. Uh, back then, uh, I would uh, have said, Nope, I'm, uh, I'm headed to a warm place. And I am so thankful that I um, have been given the time to accept Jesus Christ.
0: Well, we've enjoyed Thanks. having you on our weekly studies that we do and it's uh, amazing how insightful uh you have become in your christian walk and so thank you for sharing so much that thanks you ron every week it's amazing thanks so we're going to go from john Qualley to holly thank you for volunteering holly what have you got for us
3: uh happy to be here thank you um who shared the good news with me same story as john a lot of folks tried Growing up, and I didn't understand, and my ears weren't completely open to hear what they were saying, um, and then most recently, God kept putting the right people in my path, and it, it truly started with Matt Vanderman coming when it came to Northwestern Mutual two years ago so consistently, and I just kept listening, and then God kept putting more people in my life That I was finally able to receive it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and and of course Matt is just an amazing man of God, and um, I could see anybody coming to know the Lord from Matt Banderman the way he talks about uh, his faith. It's incredible,
3: right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's been such a blessing, and it was really the it was the reading the Bible in a year. I'm like. That sounds terrible. Mm. And then I checked it out. I'm like, this is fantastic. And then I just kept listening. And then it truly was at a regional this year that I said the center's prayer. You know, it's funny, but one of the things that happens as
0: we become Christian, we we talk about how our spiritual eyes get open. But I don't know how many times I've heard Christians say, well, I used to read the Bible, but I never understood it. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm understanding things that, that I never did before. Or I'm reading about things I've read it 10 times, and it's like a new revelation every time I read it, which is, of course, the Word, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit. As
3: that, have you have noticed that as well? Absolutely. It's It's so good. It's so good. And the funniest part was, you know, I I made my little note on the card, and I would love to learn more. And and right after that was my um, board of review meeting with him. And I sit down, and it wasn't I wasn't feeling really great about it. And I sat down, and first thing Matt says is, "Did Abby Tuttle reach out to you yet?" Like, oh my gosh, he's kicking me out. He doesn't even want me in his office anymore. And I was like, "No, not yet." Well, I had a message from her that night. She was mentoring me. She mentored me through my faith journey and started a Bible study and she was wonderful. So. Oh, uh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing uh, with the whole group. And uh, now we're going to go to Paul, Paul Mosley. What have you got to tell the group?
4: Hey everyone. I'm Paul. Um, um, Keith Wagner was the one that shared the good news with me. Um, I actually came from listening to his podcast on the fellowship um, community about how, um, Being a Christian helps him in his business and all the things that the rules that apply to that. And I was like, it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. So I he left his email at the bottom of the um recording. So I ended up reaching out to him. I was like, does he have a chance to talk about what it means to be a Christian? Because like they said previously, I like I kind of had an idea, but I never never knew what it meant to be a Christian. So I kind of wanted to tap into that and learn more about it. So he prayed for me. Um, He's the one that allowed me to turn myself over to God. So he prayed and he just told me like, just walk in the image of God, let God take control of your heart. And as I've been doing that over the time, I say it's made like a big difference in the past few months of just like doing things for people without comp- compensation, doing the things uh, for people without feeling like I need to get something back and just being more pure with it. Because like he was saying before, and when you guys were talking, um, I read a book at See You at the Top it um, emphasizes that we have our tools at our disposal. And if we don't use them, then we're hurting ourselves, our families, our peers, and more importantly, society. So I just think that using all the things that come with what God blessed us with to help everyone else and to build everyone else up is the is the ultimate gift. Because like I said, we're going to heaven anyway. So the things that we have not the gifts that we have, it's nothing to be proud of, to be prideful for, but to use them because they're gifts. They were given to us to help the world to become a better place. Oh,
0: that's awesome, Paul. And of course, we start to realize that everything we have is given to us by God. uh, Boy, we get grateful really quickly. And it changes your perspective on everything. We just want to give more, and uh, it's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Uh, Now we have our our leader, uh, Jim Malonis. Jim has been leading the Christian Fellowship Group. I don't know how many years, Jim. How many? 1983, 1983. Fantastic. So thank you for sharing with us.
5: It was 51 years ago at my age of 31 in the fall of the year, the day the time changed when my need was the greatest. And I got up earlier than usual. I turned on the television set and there on the television was a program called the Hour of Power with Robert Schuler. And whatever I saw and whatever I heard was so significant that I listened for several Sundays. And then one Sunday, all alone in my living room, I got on my knees and I cried out to God. And that was the beginning. But I'm learning something this morning. And what I'm learning or what I'm reminded of is how many times others tried to get through to me that I wasn't paying attention. Or I may have listened, but nothing happened. But something happened that morning. And then the, the one of the things that really stands out is that I began to have a deep hunger and thirst to know God. So that was my experience 51 years ago with Robert Schuller.
0: And this is it amazing? It can be 51 years, but don't you feel like like you're learning things today that makes it as fresh and new as ever?
5: I'm just getting started.
0: <laughs> That's how I feel. Well, thank you, Jim. And let's go uh, right over to Brian. Brian Hickey, thank you for uh, agreeing to share with us.
6: Yeah, I feel like, did you save like the biggest center for last or something?
0: Uh, no, not no. last. You're definitely the okay, the center, though, yeah.
6: All right, good. No, no actually, uh, similar to Holly, you know, I had an experience with Northwestern Mutual. Um, I'm in Columbia, Missouri, and uh, I, I was pretty wild. I grew up in a in a church attending family but never really knew what it meant to to follow Jesus and my my now wife who at the time was my girlfriend was pregnant. And as you can imagine that's not really the recommended path that Jesus would would suggest. So I had a couple of coworkers, colleagues of mine at Northwestern Mutual, uh Jeremy Patty and Steve Brooks who called me out in love in love and in truth, not in love, you know, not truth without the love part, which is shame and guilt and all that stuff. So, you know, I was, I was having more fun than I should have been at at regional meetings, and annual meetings and stuff like that. So Steve Brooks, who was quite a bit older than me said, Hey, let's room together at at these regional meetings, come to the prayer breakfast with me. And it was Orlando in uh, February, 2009. And I don't remember the name of the speaker, but I went through the sinner's prayer and, you know, I, I grew up again, going to church and stuff like that. I just, it was moralism. It was more like you go to church and try to be a good person you should be good to go. That's not how it works. And so I, I prayed the sinner's prayer and told Steve and Steve, uh, got me connected to a Bible study right away. And, and man, I've, I've matured a lot since February, 2009. It's gone a lot from, uh, thinking it's a religion to understanding it's a relationship with Jesus. And um, yeah, I, I've I've grown in leaps and bounds. My my two children are, uh, you know, asked to be baptized. It wasn't something we, you know, made them do. They they asked to be baptized. So it's it's been a it's just been a huge blessing. And Northwestern Mutual has been a a game changer in my life. So that's that's uh, that's my story, and I'm a work in progress.
0: That's awesome, and and of course, uh, I love the fact that. Um, You kind of view your that prayer that you had or that prayer that you said as the beginning. And I think people sometimes forget that's not the end. That's the beginning. So that's awesome. Thank you, Brian. Lynn, good to see you. Thank you for volunteering.
7: Hi, I love being here. This is one of the highlights of my month to be with everyone. Wow, I can relate so much to Kali, what you had said, Holly, what you had said, God kind of dripping people in my life, throughout my life, without even realizing it until hindsight 2020. I had a babysitter when I was younger that was a huge Christ follower. She had a joy about her that I couldn't really put my finger on but I'm like, oh, I like that. I I want some of that. Um, But I was raised in a Jewish household. So Ron, you know what that's like, right? Um, Hebrew schools, Tuesdays and Thursdays, the shul, Friday, Saturday, Sunday school, uh, bat mitzvah. Um, I was a you know, dutiful child, making sure that everything that I did was perfect and right and making sure that um, I didn't shame my, my parents or my family in the synagogue. So as I look back, I see that there were people in high school, there were my best friend in college, colleagues at work. Um, but it really wasn't until I was living in New York City. And I was really at a crossroads with my health and my career and some friends of mine who were temporarily working in New York City within my work have a place here in Austin. I'm in Austin, Texas, and they say, come and stay with us for a little bit, take a break and come live with us. So I live with them for a while and they helped kind of get me on my feet, um, kind of in a healthier space. And every Sunday, you have to understand, they were born in Odessa, Texas. They lived in Nashville, and then they lived in Austin. So... Um, growing up, you know, a city girl, I wasn't used to, hi, y'all, come on. And so it was, hey, we want to invite you to come to church with us on Sunday. I want you to meet this sweet little baby Jesus. He's a good little Jewish boy. You're going to love him. And as a Jewish girl, I was like, oh my gosh, my family would, oh, the, I, my grandmother, oy, oy, she, would be just, <laughs> she wouldn't be able to handle it. And every Sunday they invited me and I said, no, thank you. And then one Sunday I got up, I got dressed and I went to church with them. And I, boy, it feels like it was yesterday. This was in the nineties. I cried through the entire service. I heard about grace for the very first time. And that started me on a journey and God continued to drip and is still dripping people in my life, even with the CFC, um, and in growing my, like Jim, you were saying, you feel like you're just getting started. I feel like I'm just getting started 30 years into following Christ. Um, so very, very grateful for that. And the difference that it's made in my life, uh, it's priceless. I have gone through, uh, near death I have gone through a very challenging marriage and an even more painful divorce. I have gone through living as a single mom with two kids thinking I was going to be the mom under the bridge and uh, God has never left me nor forsaken me. And now I'm married to a godly, holy man and we have a blended family with four kids. I have a grandson, Um, my son. Knows Jesus and loves him and is a follower of the way that he's actually thinking of when he graduates from high school next year of going into ministry. So to say that all of those people, that was God knocking on my heart, knocking on my door, to say that it had an effect on me, I just, I, I couldn't put, I really couldn't put it in words other than um, the ripple effect that, that you have when you allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you and to give love to others you're being him with clothes on and you may be the only Jesus they ever see. So one of the other biggest things that it's made in my life is the fruits of the spirit. Um, It's Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the more that I pull in and lean towards my best friend in Jesus, the more that I receive the fruits of that. And then I'm able to give of my gifts to others so that they may receive those so um yeah thanks for letting me share
0: that's awesome that's awesome and uh you know just listening to you, thank you for being so vulnerable and but also as i heard you talking about your family i can't help but think of act sixteen thirty one: believe in the lord jesus christ and you will be saved you and your household so that's great thank you ron that
7: has special meaning for me and you know what that means thank you
0: yeah so uh, we're going to go to Lisa. Lisa, thank you for jumping in. You were a last-minute addition. I'm so glad. Thank
8: you. Thank you. Um, I have had a number of people. I've had exposure to Christianity growing up, but nobody ever shared the the good news to me. They shared, you know, I'm going to Sunday school. I'm doing this. I'm doing it. But never the good news. And um, it took, for me, in my mind, I was always the person that Christ wouldn't want because I was because of my family background, my family dysfunction, the horrible growing up that I had, he wasn't for me. And I, I wasn't good enough for him. And it took me until um a woman cleaning my home um who said to me, um, I would love for you to go to church with me. Uh, I think it, you would really benefit from it. And I kind of brushed it off. She's just the woman who cleans my home. I didn't really even know her well. But I had a premature, a very premature child, and um, he was turning three. And we were now at a point where we could start to take him out into the community. And I wanted him to socialize with other kids. And so she said, Well, you know, our Sunday school uh, starts at age three. So you could come to church and your son could go to Sunday school and he could get, be with other kids. And so I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. I can just sit quietly for an hour while he goes to Sunday school. And for me, what happened is the pastor had us reflect on our week and our sins. And um, when he was, that time was done, he said, just so you know, all of that is done. All of that is gone. And I cried because I had a lot that I hadn't even said. And so I start I started every week coming with a journal that I had kept of all the stuff I wanted gone. and I just waited every week for him to do that prayer for us. and um I it. At that point in time, I realized all of the stuff I had been through um, could be done. And all the bad choices that I made could be done. And um, so that is when I accepted the Lord. Um, And my son has uh, been a very faithful follower of Christ. And he is my accountability partner. And he has helped me grow. He's been to Christian school. He's helped me grow. And has really been uh, a center force of my life. So I believe very strongly in the power of children, bringing people to Christ. Um, what, how it's made a difference in my life is the crap hasn't ended. All the like things, life has still continued, but I am a different person and how I view it, how I approach it, and the peace and calm that is in my heart every day. Um, And the friends that I have found in Christ have really made the difference for
0: me. Well, certainly Jesus doesn't promise that we won't have troubles, but he does promise to be with us as we go through them. And that's certainly been the case, I know, for you. And uh, thank you for bringing family into the last few folks doing that. I, I think it's just great. And we do all feel like a family, whether you're part of the CFC, but just being a Christian, we all have the same father. And uh, I really do feel like there's a special bond uh, between all of us who know Jesus. So I'm I'm so glad so many are on today. And what we're going to do now is, thank you, Lisa. We're going to open it up to anybody else kind of randomly. If you would like to share, uh, to take yourself off of mute and feel free to, if you're led, to do it. So we'll pause for a moment and see if anyone
9: would like to share. Ron? This is Mike Williams. Uh, I'm actually in Tennessee, but I'm from Birmingham. You and I worked with you when I was with Physicians Nationwide. So Jim Malonis and I have been friends and buddies for since I joined Northwestern in 74. But one of the things that I appreciate so much about people sharing today is that all of us are sinners. If any of us could earn our way to heaven, God would have never killed his son in our place. I think it's also really important to understand that if sin wasn't serious, it wouldn't have cost God the life of his son to pay for it. So I think, listening to what Philip was talking about, is that the evidence that we've really surrendered our life to the Lord Jesus as Savior and as Lord, is a commitment to want to obey his word. And the evidence that we really are believers is a heart for obedience. Uh, We're clearly, as he said, and and I think others have mentioned, the, the sin nature hasn't gone away. The battle will be on until we go to heaven. But he also promised John in 1 John 4 he says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world and so the holy spirit who indwells every believer gives us the power to live an obedient life in 1 Corinthians 10:13 we're reminded that no temptation is overtaking you but such as is common to man and god is faithful He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. But with the temptation, will always provide the way of escape. So he gives us the way of escape and he gives us the power to take it. So I think, you know, I'll say this. I'm disappointed that I haven't been on more. I've been, uh, my life's been a whirlwind. But I will say this, and I'm thrilled for the participation that everybody's had and the willingness to share. And one of the things, this will be the last comment I make, but, uh, and I'll share more another time, but not long before my dad died, I asked him a question. Uh, He came out of a home where his mother died when he was two. His dad deserted him. He was raised by grandparents. Went to college on a football scholarship, then got drafted during the war. And his commanding officer led my dad to Christ and then discipled him all during the war. So I got a dad who was the exact opposite of his dad, who was faithful to my mom for 60 years. I never heard him use a profane word, just a man of honor and integrity, tough as nails. I mean, he was a golden gloves boxer and a linebacker and a military police officer. So pretty tough guy, but a godly guy. And yet with that kind of a heritage, I had a filthy mouth and a bitter, angry spirit, and I rejected it all until I was 19. But the thing that I asked my dad is what did God use to transform your life and to keep you from ever being unfaithful to mother for 60 years and to keep you from compromising your integrity in business? And what he said was what well, this, is, this is all about, the Christian Fellowship Co- Breakfast Committee, he said, God, always put faithful men around me who held me accountable. And I thought, yeah, me too. Guys like Jim Malonis And he not only gives us those kind of people, but he gives us the desire to be with those kind of people. And I think that's what this fellowship is so valuable. It, and the, for God to give each person here the desire to want to be here, to want to fellowship with people who are committed to honoring him in your life. It's a blessing. And thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to having you come to Birmingham.
0: Awesome. Well, I think, I don't think we could end it in a better place than that. Uh, So Mike, thank you so much. And for everybody that, that shared today, and of course, for Philip, he had to run off to his meeting, but thank you so much, Philip. Thank you for joining us, and for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual. Listeners of Christian Fellowship Community Presentations and any recordings acknowledge that these productions are exclusively owned by CFC, and listeners agree to only use for their listening and not to make any use for any commercial reason.